something so cute and so innocent about a little kid believing that they could fly, right? I mean, you're going to take the time to cut out cardboard wings and grab your crayons and color on that piece of paper and put this thing together, strap it on and walk outside, climb up to the top of your slide and pretend like you're going to fly. And we love that idea of believing so much in our culture, in our world. Like we write songs about it, like, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Come on, somebody. I think about it every night and day. I spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. You see me running through that open door. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe. You're going to leave me up here hanging? You know what? Thank you. Thank you. No matter how many times you say, I believe I can fly, sorry to burst your bubble to kick off 2023, but you can't. You can't do it, no matter how much you believe it. But there's something in our heart, something in our soul that loves belief and thinks so highly of belief. Like this other song, believe in what your heart is saying. Hear the melody that's playing. There's no time to waste. There's so much to celebrate. Believe in what you feel inside and give your dreams the wings to fly. You have everything you need if you just believe. It sounds so good, right? Like, let's just do it. It's a new year. It's a new me. I'm walking into this new year. I can do anything I want to do. Everywhere I step is going to be great. I'm going to conquer this year. I'm going to tackle this year. It's going to be a blessing year for me. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. I believe it. Everything's going to be fine if I just believe. Or we could bring it to Scripture, too, can't we? Think of some of the the most famous verses that you might know, like John 3, 16, for example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever does what? In him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and do what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or Acts 16, verses 30 and 31, that Philippian jailer, we looked at it a couple months ago, said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer that Paul and Silas told him was what? In the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If you just believe, then everything will be fine, everything will work out, right? Well, we're kicking off a new series called The Mistake of Believing. And we all, you all, I can believe things all of the time that just simply aren't true. And just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Just because it's your experience or your opinion doesn't make it true. Sometimes, maybe you've said this or you've heard other people say it, that like, well, that's my truth. And like, I believe what I want to believe and you can believe what you want to believe. It's my truth. There's a lot of things wrong with that idea but whoever said that truth was yours to be had truth is God's 
And we and I believe things all of the time that just aren't true. We make the mistake of believing. But there is, again, there's something about belief, and that's what I'm wading into here. There's something about belief that it kind of takes on this life of its own. And so, like, even as a follower of Jesus, when we talk about people, and they're, they're a believer, and they have faith, and so great, we think, great, they're saved, they're going to heaven. Or we think, hey, you know, if I just believe the best about this situation and I hope that everything works out good enough, then certainly it'll work out for me. So I want, in this series, I want to help us, as we kick off this new year, adjust our beliefs and help us align what we believe with what God has promised and what God has said. So anybody kick off this new year with some goals or some resolutions? Anybody hoping to do something new this year? A couple of you. You should. It's a great time to start something new, to say this year I'm going to be a different person. This year I'm going to grow in this area of my life. This area, uh, this time of the year, God's going to lead me to do something, to take that next step in my faith, and we, we want to have these goals and places to go, and there's things that God is growing us in, and there's, there's certain sins and habits and thought patterns that we need to move on from from last year and grow into as we continue to grow in our faith, and so certainly having goals and uh, hoping for change is a great thing. But you've probably, and maybe this is why you didn't make any this year, you've experienced over time, you've wanted those things to happen, and maybe they have for a couple weeks or, or a month or two or three, and then what happens? It goes back to the same old, same old thing. And so if that has ever happened to you, then this series is for you, because we need to adjust our beliefs to sustain a change in behavior. If we just want to change our behavior without changing our beliefs, we will never be able to sustain trying to change something about our life. And so we're going to dig into the word. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 25. If you don't have your Bible, we would love to send you home with a free Bible today. Just stop by in the lobby, and uh, you can pick one up on your way out, and you'll see the verses on the screen behind me as well. Romans chapter 4 is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome, and he is talking about this idea of believing, and, and we meet a guy th named Abraham, and he says this. He says, it is not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world. We're going to go through this a little slowly. Imagine having that promise. You are going to be the heir of the world. You're going to inherit the world. What a promise from God to a man named Abraham. And we read about that in Genesis chapter 12 where God called Abraham to go. He was in, this, in his own home country and said, just go. I'll show you where I'm taking you. I'm going to just go. And Abraham went. And so it wasn't, he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith, not through the law. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, then faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and there 
where there is no law, there is no transgression. So what Paul is saying is that where there is no law, where there is no rules, then you can't break the rules. <laughs> and so when Abraham lived, there was no law that happened after his life. And so Paul is using him as an example to say that you are declared righteous, you are declared right with God because of faith, not by following the law, but because of faith. And so this is the conclusion that Paul comes to because of all of this. He says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. Doesn't that sound good? The promise comes by faith. God's promise for your life comes by faith. So that it may be by grace and may be, what's the next word? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed. Can you enter into this new year in 2023 confident? Can you be confident walking into your job? Can you be confident driving down the road? Can you be confident in doing what God's called you to do? I, it is guaranteed what God is going to do. And why is it guaranteed? Because it is by grace. It doesn't depend on you and what you do or how good you do it. It depends on God's grace. And so therefore, you can trust that it's going to happen. It's, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, and I hope that you have the faith of Abraham. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we have believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This is the God that we serve, is it not? That he calls people who are dead and brings them back to life. At least he did that to me. Did he do that to you? That you were dead. You couldn't do anything about your relationship with God. And God entered in and made you alive. He brings dead things to life. And... He calls into being that which is not. He's able to look at the things in your life, in the world, that don't exist. That there is no hope. That this will never change. That this person will never change. That this situation will never change. That there is no hope. There is no way. And God looks at that situation and brings things into being that are not. That is the God that we serve. And that's the God that Abraham served. And so here's our key verse for this morning as we begin this series. He says, against all hope, against all hope, there is no reason to believe. There's no reason to have hope. There's no reason to trust in God. There's no reason to, to make this a priority. There's no reason. How is this going to work out? This is going to be hard. This is going to be impossible. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed so against all hope abraham had hope and he believed and so he became 
Abraham in hope believed, and so he became. And what did he become? The father of many nations. We're going to come back to this idea, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. These are amazing words. And that is why it is credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What is real faith? Paul's writing this to tell us what faith is, what faith does, what is real faith? He's saying, look, in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Abraham. Look at Abraham's faith. And Abraham's faith, which is an example of real faith, is this idea that against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Real faith is a wrestling faith. It's a wrestling with the difference between what God has said or God's promise, and what is. So what did God promise Abraham? That he would be the father of what? Many nations. And what was Abraham's current situation? I have no kids. How can you be the father of many nations if you have no kids? It's a wrestling. And it's an ability, real faith is an ability to stare that right in the face that tension right in the face, and to believe that God will make it happen, that he will make it happen. And what will he make happen? What he has promised. God will keep 100% of his promises. He will not keep 100% of your preferences, your plans, or your desired outcomes. He keeps 100% of his promises but it's hard isn't it to believe in God's promise when you don't see any fulfillment of that promise right you're going to be the father of many nations I don't even have one kid how is this possible I can't be the father of many nations God I just need one and maybe some of you are here today You know some of the big promises of God for your life, but you're just hoping for one. You just want to see one. You just want to see one thing. You just want to see God come through one way. And you'll do anything to see one thing happen. I think that's where Abraham was. He just wanted to see one thing. He believed God's promise, but he just wanted to see it happen. And he's like, I... I'm having a hard time with this. I'm old. Like, I'm dead. (laughs) And Sarah's not having any kids when she's old either. And so what did they do? They took matters into their own hands. 
They waited. You know how long they waited for God to fulfill his promise? Ten years. Ten years. God, I thought you were going to do this. God, you told me you were going to do this. God, you gave me this promise. It's been not one year, not two years, not even five years. It's been ten years, God. Where are you? What are you doing? And so this is what happens. We've got to look in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 16 to fill in the rest of the story. This is what Paul is rest- referencing in the Romans chapter 4. It says this, So Sarah said to Abraham, The Lord had prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Can you imagine that conversation that Sarah had with Abraham? Sleep with the servant. Abraham's like, okay. Sleep with Hagar to fulfill the promise of God. That was not God's promise. They're trying to do it their own way. They're trying to do it just good enough. Have you ever had a good enough kind of faith? Like, I know God's calling me to do this, but... I'm just going to kind of just do it good enough over here. I'm just going to show up every once in a while. It's good enough. I'm just going to serve every once in a while. Excuse me. It's good enough. I'm just going to read my Bible every once in a while. It's good enough. I'm just going to pray whenever I feel like it. It's good enough, right? We have a good enough kind of faith just like Abraham did. And so do I. We just try to do things in our own power that can only be given by God's power. We try to manipulate situations. We try to bring things about in our own ability when it's God who is the one that's going to fulfill his promise. So like, for example, you say, God wants me to have some rest this year. God's promised me rest, and he has, absolutely. And so what we try and do is say, okay, I'm going to go on vacation and rest. And so we go and, and we think that vacation is going to give us rest because we're trying to manipulate and control a situation. Now, certainly, you need to take vacation and time off. But we cannot, in our own human understanding, bring something that only God has promised to give. No amount of sand is going to give you rest. God gives you rest. But we try to control it and do it our own way. And that's exactly what Abram, Ham, and Sarai did to do. In Genesis 16, verse 16, we read that they had a child. Abraham and Hagar had a child. And his name was Ishmael. And he was born when Abram was 86 years old. 86 years old. They waited 10 years. They had had this child 10 years later. Next verse, Genesis 17, when Abram now was 99 years old, okay? So catch this, right? 75 years old, Abraham gets this promise, you're going to be the father of many nations. He has no kids. They wait 10 years, they have Ishmael. They're like, God, okay, this must be it. 
Next year goes by, nothing. Next year goes by, nothing. Another year goes by, nothing. Ten more years go by, nothing. Not 95, not 97, not 98. How old is Abraham? 99 years old. And the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Like, God, you've said that before. Where's it been? It's 24 years later. What's going on? At this, Abram fell down on the ground. And God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Thirteen years after Ishmael's born, God's saying the same thing. Abraham's wrestling with what was and what God had promised. And if you're wrestling with what is and what with God has promised, there's good news because there's grace enough for you. There's grace enough for the one who doubts. There's grace enough for the skeptic and the questioning. God's using Abraham in this moment, even though he is going and trying to figure it out on his own. You're not going to have all the answers. And when somebody asks you, how's life treating you? How are things going? How are you doing? You don't always have to answer, hey, I'm doing great. Life's great. God's good. I'm trusting God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Today's the day the Lord has made. Right? It's a wrestling, real faith of between what God has promised and what is. Abraham believed God, and so he became Remember that? That's our key verse. Abraham believed God, and so he became. It wasn't a Abraham believed God, and in that moment he become. It's a became. It's a process. It's a over time. It's a God is doing this in your life over time. It's going to happen over time. It's going to happen as you walk with Jesus and grow with the Lord. It's going to happen over time. Abraham believed God, and so he became. And his process of following God was not always a straight line. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go do this myself. I'm going to get a little sidetracked out of here and have this child with Hagar. But for some reason, some reason, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham believed God without weakening. Remember that? All those high words of praise for Abraham's faith? He says, without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief. What? Really, Paul? I mean, I'm not questioning Paul, but come on, right? Did you just read what happened in Genesis 17? But through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He, he was fully persuaded, really? Fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised? Well, let's see. Let's fact check what Paul is saying here with some more information from Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 says, Then God said to Abram regarding Sarah, your wife, your, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. God's saying, I'm going to give you a son from her, from Sarah, not Hagar, not Ishmael, who you, you know, who's 10 years old by now. I'm going to give you a son, like I promised, 
from her, from Sarah. And yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. The faith of Abraham, laughing at God in disbelief. How could I become the father at age 100, he asked. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? And so Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your blessing. That's like a shot in the heart. May Ishmael live under your blessing. God, I know you've promised Sarah a son, but God, just a, a, a side note, I know you're God, but I'm a human, and 100-year-old people don't have kids. God, okay, we already have a kid. Why don't you just bless this one? I know it isn't the one that you promised, but we already have it, so why don't you do it like that? Have you ever tried to bring something that you created in your own power to God to bless it after the fact? <laughs> you know, you ever like quit that job and then the next day you start praying to God, God, I need a job. Please bless me with a job. And God's like, what happened to your old job? <laughs> Why didn't you ask me about your old job before you quit it and asking me for a new one? Right? Why, why, do you, why do we bring to God what we create in our own power and ask God to bless it after the fact? Or, or you bought that thing. Remember that thing that you bought? And then you started praying those prayers. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Or I don't know where I'm going to store this. Or I don't know what I'm going to do with this. God, I need your, your blessing. And God's like, well, you, maybe you should have asked me that before you bought it. Right? Don't bring to God something that you created or did in your own strength and ask God to bless it later. It's backwards. Or like, hey, yesterday, yesterday I went out and I served the homeless people in the city. I brought them food. I did some amazing things. It was incredible. Like God really used that in an incredible way. And so God, I'm just coming to you today and say, God, I just need your blessing on my life today. But God is not your genie. Wait, just because you did something kind yesterday doesn't mean God's going to give you extra answers to your prayers tomorrow, right? It doesn't earn you God's extra favor in your life. And so they're bringing to God and saying, hey, why don't you just bless Ishmael? May Ishmael live under your special blessing." And God's reply, do you know what God said? Simple, one word. No. <laughs> no. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. How more specific will that be, right? And you're going to name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with you and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. God's going to do it. And so you're telling me, right, this story that Abraham, Paul, out of all the people he could have chosen, Abraham is an example of faith. Abraham is an example of what it means to trust God. Paul saying he did not waver in his faith. He did not weaken in his faith. He was fully persuaded in his faith. Really? 
Why do you think that Paul left out all these details in Genesis 17 of Abraham laughing at God, Abraham not believing God? Why do you think he left that out? We don't know for sure, of course. But I think what Paul is telling us, and I think what Paul is telling you and me through this, is that it doesn't matter. Those details in Genesis 17 don't matter. Because it's not about what Abraham did. It's not about his works. It's about God's grace. Like God's going to do what he's going to do. God's promises are always going to come through. It's not about what Abraham did to earn it or deserve it. It's not about his works. It's about God's grace. And this is what it means to have the faith of Abraham. That when you fall down you get back up again. When you laugh at God, you keep on trusting. That's real faith. It's a wrestling, a wrestling between the difference of between what God has promised and what is. That you're gonna be the father of many nations, Abraham. Well, I don't have any kids. Well, Sarah is gonna have the baby. Well, what about Hagar? <laughs> oh, you gave me this promise today. Okay, 25 years later, I'm still waiting for the promise to happen. It's a wrestling kind of faith. And so you have to have faith to experience all the things that God wants you to become. You have to believe God's promise and walk in it and receive God's promise. You have to believe it. And I think that this is what the story illustrates. This is what Paul is telling us. This is what Abraham's story is telling us is that belief plus promise equals something. Belief plus promise equals something. I was trying to find the right words to put in what equals together, right? We read through this story. Belief plus promise equals something. It, it, it equals that you're becoming who God wants you to be. That's what it equals. It equals... Being, able, being God calling out things that aren't and calling it into being. It equals one day experiencing joy. One day being confident in who God made me to be. It's one day being lovable. It's one day being thankful. It's one day being free. And so if you were to put a Christian-ease word after belief plus promise equals what, it would be probably eternal life. That belief plus promise equals eternal life. Belief plus promise equals sanctification. That belief plus promise equals I'm becoming more like Jesus and growing in my faith. But if you were going to maybe pick a word that your spiritually disconnected neighbor or friend would understand, I think this is a great way to put it. Belief plus promise equals the impossible life. Belief plus promise equals the impossible life, that you're going to experience life the way that it was designed to be, the way that it's supposed to be, where there's meaning and purpose and you have a relationship with your creator. Belief plus promise equals the impossible life and it takes both belief and promise because belief without promise is a wish. Right? It's the kid making wings, believing that he's going to fly. 
It's the person who moves to the big city to make it big in music. It's the athlete who believes one day I'm going to make it to the big leagues. <laughs> Whatever you're hoping for, right, you, ha you have to believe it. There's more to it than just believing it and it happening. But you have to believe. Like, if you don't believe, like, if you don't believe that you can stay in a relationship longer than five years, you probably won't. If you believe nobody wants to be your friend, then you will miss all the people that God has placed in your life that want to be your friend because you don't believe that anyone wants to be your friend. You have to change what you believe. You can't just believe whatever you want to believe. I mean, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but sometimes you'd be wrong. Like, I wanted to be, I believed I was going to be a pro athlete. As a lot of young athletes did, right? I believed it. But it wasn't going to happen, no matter how much I believed it. It was a wish. I thought it was a pretty founded wish. Like, my, one of my closest cousins, we spent some time together growing up when we go visit them. He was drafted eighth overall in the NHL draft. So, like, I had good bloodlines and good genetics, you know? Like, if one of my closest relatives was the eighth best hockey player in the world one year, then maybe I could be too, you know? I, I didn't play hockey. But, <laughs> but I thought, hey, this is something, if I believe for it, then I, I could get it. But that, that's not, not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. So no matter how much you believe for something, there's got to be more to it than that. And that's why... It has to also be in God's plan. It also has to be God's promise. But here's the other thing. A promise without belief is a waste. A promise without belief is a waste. Like God's plan will happen. He will accomplish 100% of the things that he has promised. And there's some things that will happen whether you believe it or not. Like, for example, when Jesus said he's going to come back one day. You don't have to believe it in order for Jesus to come back one day. He's just coming back. The whole, you know, the whole world that can, can not believe or believe, or, you know, you're not going to make it happen. You're not going to stop it. God's going to do it whenever he's going to do it. But there are some things in God's will that God has promises for your life. And I hope you know what some of those promises for your life are. And you're going to have to believe it to live into all of it that God has promised to you. And here's the good thing. The good news is that you don't have to earn it to experience it. You don't have to do something to earn it. You just have to believe it. Like, for example, and we're going to dig into a lot more examples in the next couple weeks. But, like God's promise to never leave you or forsake you, right? Amen? Amen? God's promised to never leave you or forsake you. So why do you feel like God has left you? Right? What good is God's promise that he will never leave you or forsake you if you don't believe that he, that is true? You're going to be searching for God your whole life, and he's going to be literally like, I've been standing right in front of you your whole time. See, God's promise without belief is a waste. And so belief plus promise equals the impossible life. God's going to do it. God's promised some things to you. And I, again, I hope, I know, hope you know what some of those things are. We're going to talk more about them in the coming weeks. 
You have to believe God in order to walk into all that God has promised you. But you don't have to do anything to earn it. That's the good news. So when you fall and you fail and you mess up, you're right where God wants you to be. And when you question and you wonder and you doubt, God, is this going to happen? Is this going to come true? I, what's, what, what is this? I can't do this. I can't, like, produce this on my own. I can't make this happen on my own. And God's like, good. I'm glad you figured that out. Because now I can do something in your life. Now you can walk into all of this because it's not by what you do. It's by God's grace. And if it's by grace, then you can be confident and know that God is going to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much that we don't have to earn your blessing. Thank you so much that we don't have to earn that your presence in our life. That out of the goodness of your love for us, by your grace that you give to us, you promise that you will be with us. You promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. So God, when we sin, when we make decisions where we feel so far from you, where we wonder where you are, when that happens, not if it happens, when that happens, Lord, help us to believe that your promise is true. Because it's not dependent on our works. Your promises are true. So, Lord, I pray in this season that we would believe that. That we would believe what you have promised. That we would trust in your plan and in your will. And help us, God, to not try to do it on our own. Help us, God, to not try to manipulate situations, manipulate relationships, manipulate things, to try to produce things in our own power. And Lord, forgive me when I do. But help us to trust in your plan and to believe in your promise so that we can experience everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name.